Welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for health professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. So we have been talking about resilience and I told y'all that's going to be my word for 2024 and I'm pretty excited about it. Last week, we talked about building resilience within your nonprofit organization. This week, let's dig a little deeper. Let's talk about building a culture of support and resilience within nonprofit organizations because it's absolutely essential for ensuring the well being of the persons that work within your organizations that are working every single day with your clients. It is important that your organization, not just your staff, but your volunteers as well, that you have set up. And when I say you, I mean, maybe program directors, your executive directors, that you have positioned your organization to have a healthy culture of support that facilitates and helps build resilience to ensure well-being and effectiveness. And it should be a top-down approach. So yes, this should be happening in your staff and with your volunteers. But if it's a top-down approach, that means your board, that means management, staff, and your volunteers. So as always, grab your notebook. Some of these steps, they are very familiar and they are threaded throughout many of our episodes where we talk about how to just how to build a healthy organizational culture. So some of these you've heard before. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. If it's not, this might be repetitive for you, but they are so important for healthy organizational cultures but also building and supporting resilient nonprofit organizations. And building resilient nonprofit organizations are so important. As many of you know that are listening, if you are a nonprofit leader or if you work within a nonprofit, it's because things change all the time. There are ebbs and flows. And with those ebbs and flows can be some really difficult times. You know, sometimes we refer to things as red, yellow, and green. And sometimes those yellows can turn into burnt oranges and can be your flashing red lights. But you have to bounce back from those things. And that's where that resilience is built. Grab your notebook. Again, some of this is repetitive. We talk about this a lot here on the podcast because it's, again, it's building healthy organizational cultures. The first one is always, always, always ensure that there is a clear mission and values of your organization. Ensuring the organization's mission and values prioritize supporting the well-being and resilience of the organization. Communicate these values to all of your stakeholders. So not just your internal stakeholders, but your external stakeholders also. 
This is important because people will automatically know that this is where you stand. Your organization stands 10 toes down on ensuring that people within the organization or people that touch the organization are being a part of a healthy culture. The next one, open communication. I believe this is besides having a clear mission and values, I believe open communication is very important. As an executive director, are there things that are not the business of the support staff? Absolutely. But I do believe that when there is open communication, you are building trust with your staff. You're building trust with your volunteers. Now, volunteers, there's a lot of stuff they should know because they're volunteers. But I believe that when there is open communication between management, management meaning executive directors, program directors, program managers, and those that they supervise, you build trust and you find out what is going on within your organization. Open communication, it creates a safe space and an open space for your staff or for your your people to openly discuss what's going on. If anybody is struggling with mental health, if anybody is struggling with any stressors, if there is any, you know, if there is any concerns about anything and the open communication by building trust, that means that they are openly talking about it without the fear of negative consequences. These things are really important if you want to build a resilient nonprofit organization that supports well-being and effectiveness. Next is mental health resources. Where I am at right now, we have been experiencing some really hard cases. It's the holidays, so I feel like we always experience the hardest of the cases around the holidays. So, Got to have those resources available for your people to be able to process these things. If they have someone outside, awesome. Encourage them to seek outside help, but also be a support for them in the office also if they need to vent and get things off their chest. We have been dealing with situations lately and I just told staff um, this week in staff meeting, well, last week in staff meeting that they have been doing a phenomenal job with being supportive to those individuals who have been dealing with this particular case because staff has been completely showing up for, for their colleagues because they know how hard they've been working on this particular case and they've been supportive of them if they've needed to leave early for the day to just step away. So mental health resources are important, you know, and you, if you have resources like the employee assistance program and support groups, or if counseling is available, like encourage your staff to, take part um, and utilize these resources. Another thing is flexible work policies. Like we have seen with COVID that flexible work policies and remote work policies are possible when used properly. We have seen firsthand how some people can just take advantage of them, but we have also seen how these things and how Flexible work policies can be used to the benefit 
of your staff. There is a lot of research that has been done since COVID that has also shown how productivity enhances when there are flexible work policies that are in place. You know, it is crucial that there are these options if it is the type of environment where these options are available. You know, if you have the type of job that you can have remote work, ask. If you've just had a really, really hard day the day before and you know maybe the next day you were just going to spend doing case notes and data entry anyway, as long as you don't have to take any personal information of a client home, ask your supervisor, hey, can I work remote tomorrow? And as a supervisor, if you know the work ethic of that person, that should be an easy yes. Now, if you have concerns about that person really working remote, that's your business and that's what you need to talk to that person about. Okay. But I believe that flexible work policies should definitely be put in place regardless because you never know when we might be hit with another pandemic. For us human service professionals and social workers, <laughs> we already see that the work don't stop. So we have to have a flexible work policy that is a part of our organizational culture. This is not something that we can just do at the last minute anymore. This is a, this has to be a consistent living, breathing part of our personnel HR policy from this point moving forward. COVID-19 taught us that. The next is recognition and appreciation. Like, you know, some people don't do this work full praises, but let's be honest. It sure does feel good every once in a while to hear someone say, you did an awesome job. You did an amazing job working with that client. You did an awesome job on that project. You did an amazing, I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so glad that you're working for this organization. A complimenting somebody ain't never hurt nobody. And if you have a problem with giving a compliment or even receiving a compliment, I implore you to see a therapist, my love, because that's something a little bit deeper. So yes, recognition and appreciation, verbally recognizing and appreciating your staff and also your volunteers, you know, or if you can provide a small token of appreciation, like if you have a whole bunch of volunteers and you can afford it, do a volunteer appreciation luncheon or, you know, if you can afford it, do bonuses for your staff. You know, those things, one, they not only build well-being and they not only support resilience within your organization, but they also increase staff morale. They also decrease staff turnover. So these are things that they serve multiple purposes within your organization. Peer support networks. There are a lot of colleagues where I work that they do hang out with one another outside of work. I think it's a beautiful thing. Or they're I think we mentioned this when I had some colleagues on last month, like there is, they have their own meeting. I'm not a part of it. Twice a month, first and third Tuesdays of every month, victim advocates, case management, they come together and they process cases and they also just process, you know, just how they are showing up for one another and how they're showing up for their clients and they discuss the cases if they if they have any questions or if there's any clarity that that needs to be given about certain things after the meeting one of the advocates will email me questions 
I'll answer those questions, but for the most part, that's their meeting that they utilize to just be there and to support one another. Next is conflict resolution mechanisms. You know, creating transparent and equitable systems for resolving, you know, different organizational issues promptly and professionally is crucial. You do not want issues to linger on. You want to be able to remedy problems promptly and professionally. Now, I do acknowledge that sometimes if, you know, some, because a lot of what I have noticed that a lot of nonprofit organizations, they do not have HR departments and sometimes they may rely on consultants. So you got to bring a consultant in and you got, sometimes you, if you are bringing outside a consultant in that you might be on that person's timeline, but I would highly suggest that when you are trying to resolve an organizational issue that you do it promptly and you do it professionally. The quicker you can get it done, the better it will be. You know, by doing it this way, it also helps in maintaining transparency and fairness within your organization. And it also ensures that the problem it is addressed effectively and efficiently. Remember, you are building an organization that has a healthy culture and you are building resilience amongst your executives, amongst your, your management, amongst your staff. And you want you also want your staff to be doing this with your clients. Remember, your staff are working with individuals who have experienced so many unfair circumstances in their life. And they've had to rebuild and rebuild and rebuild far too often. And your staff is confronted with this every single day. Some days are worse than others. Some days it's so quiet you are sitting there like, hmm, something happened. But then other days, it's just like one after the other after the other. So you want to ensure that conflict resolution mechanisms and your peer support networks, and then you are recognizing and appreciating and loving on your staff when you can, and you are providing the flexible work policies, and there are mental health resources, and there is open communication. More importantly, that you are standing 10 toes down in your mission and your values. But you want to also ensure that you as an executive director are also practicing radical self-care because then you are modeling that behavior for everyone else. You know, you got to promote radical self-care practices to support everybody's well-being. So, you know, take a break in the middle of the day. Go to lunch. If you have a doctor's appointment, make that doctor's appointment. You know, take vacations, take time off. If the office closes at a certain time, leave at the end of the day. If it can't be done between nine and five on a Monday, then make sure it's done between nine and five on Tuesday. Office hours are office hours. Department of Social Services is a nine to five. It's not a Saturday, Sunday, eight to four. 
So we have to ensure that we are practicing these things so we can model this behavior for our staff. But more importantly, when we model these things for our staff, our staff then models these behaviors for our clients. So our clients can't call us at six o'clock in the evening with an emergency. And the emergency is that they need a letter of residency at six o'clock for a food stamp appointment. That's not business hours. So we have to ensure that we are being fair to ourselves and modeling that behavior for ourselves So we can then model that behavior for those who we are supervising. Radical self-care is so important. And I've said it before, it does not cost anything. You can go to lunch. It doesn't mean you have to go. You could just close your door, put your phone on do not disturb. Take 30 minutes or take an hour to just be. If you have a doctor's appointment, go to that doctor's appointment. If you are working someplace, and I'm saying this for the people in the back, all the way in the back, maybe even to the people in front of me, to the left and to the right. If you are working someplace and you are not able to make doctor's appointments, that is a problem. If you are working someplace and lunch breaks are not encouraged and breaks are not encouraged and self-care days are not encouraged and the people that you work with are not acknowledging the hard work that you are putting into difficult clients and then take the rest of the day or take tomorrow, then that is a problem. You cannot build a resilience organization if that is how you are functioning with your people. Because what you are saying is you are not acknowledging the humanness in your staff. And if that is how you are functioning as a human service professional and a social worker, you are not acknowledging your own humanness. You have to practice if you want longevity in this work. And if you want to build the resilience in this work, you have to practice radical self-care. You have to take time to just rest, to just sleep. My husband jokes with me all the time because I always, sometimes I'll say, oh, I did not sleep good last night. He'll say, you a liar. You slept real good last night. I love to go night night. I think I've said this on an episode before. I don't get hangry. I don't get angry when I'm hungry. No, I get like that when I'm sleepy. I like to go to sleep at night. I like to go to sleep early. I like to get eight hours of sleep at night. I'm an early riser because I commute so far, but I like to go to sleep early. I'm in the bed by nine o'clock every night, but I am up by five in the morning. I like to get at least eight hours of sleep at night. I'm talking eight hours of good sleep. And a lot of times, (laughs) complete transparency, I won't drink anything after seven o'clock just so I won't have to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night just so I won't break my sleep. I'm just saying, I like to sleep. So rest is important. I love my rest. And it's funny because I guess I'm telling my age also because I also used to be that that girl that would work an overnight shift quick 
when I was chasing them coins, when I was on that grind. But now, baby, you can't get me to work an overnight shift if it was paying Jeff Bezos money. Wait a minute. Nah, I wouldn't. I like my rest. (laughs) So radical self-care, you have to create this culture for your staff. You got to create this culture for you, Madam E.D., Mr. E.D., you got to create this culture for you. You have to create this culture for your board of directors. Your board of directors, if you never have anyone who who says, hey, I'm not going to be able to make this board meeting because I'll be on vacation. You know, yes, they probably, maybe they made vacation, maybe the week before board meeting or maybe the week after or there have you. But, you know, make sure that the people who are investing into your organization are taking care of themselves. They have to feed into your mission also, but they got to be taking care of themselves. You know, within taking care of themselves and radical self-care, let's also ensure that we're creating a safe space for feedback. Most of my career before I became before I got in management positions and now in executive positions. I worked for one person, but out of all of my supervisors, with the exception of one, no one ever created a safe space for feedback. And I took a position after that supervisor that that created a space for feedback. And this particular man, he did not take feedback well at all. And it was in that moment that I always tell folks, you know, sometimes I hear my grandfather in my ear telling me, okay, girl, that mouth gonna get you in trouble because I am a say what I mean, mean what I say kind of girl. And he didn't create that safe, that supervisor did not create that safe environment for me. And that was actually the the position that I was in right before I came to North Carolina. It stifled who I was as a professional sometimes. I was still able to function independently in that organization and do some amazing things. But at the same time, because of the executive director, he he was not open to feedback. It was very much do what I say, not what I do type of leadership. And that wasn't after after leaving an organization where the executive director did create a safe space for feedback and she did create a safe space for, she had a culture of well-being and there was a culture of resilience. And then going to that organization, it was a, it was a blow for me professionally. I enjoyed what I was doing, but when it came down to supervisions, oh my God, I dreaded supervisions. I dreaded, dreaded supervisions. So you always want to be able to, if you are a human service professional or a social worker that is listening to this and you haven't yet moved into a leadership role and you you are aspiring to move into a leadership role, always create a safe space for feedback. Just because you are in a leadership role does not mean that you can't take feedback. Now, there's a difference between being disrespectful But be open to feedback. Be open to that. Be open to to feedback from those who work with you, 
it will do you, I promise you, it will do you a world of good if you were open to feedback. Next is monitoring and evaluation. You know, regularly evaluate how support is going in the office, you know, and so you can make improvements. Maybe you feel like you are being supportive. Maybe you feel like you are creating a culture of well-being and a culture of resilience. But everybody else might be like, no, sis, that ain't what we're we doing. You know, a couple months ago, I just, I thought that I was, I was doing this, you know, I always give folks the space to, you know, take time off, you know, do what you need to do. But folks were saying, you know, I'm feeling a little burnt out. And I had to clutch my pearls like, no, how is that possible? So yeah, a couple months ago, I had folks tell me that they were burnt out. And um, I was, I wasn't, I can't, so I was a little shocked because I know I always give folks the space that they need to take off work and, you know, all that good stuff. And if you need to leave early for the day or if you're having a hard day or if you woke up that morning and you just ain't feeling it, like go ahead and stay home. I know I created that that culture for everybody, but you know, folks were feeling burnt out and they were feeling burnt out because we were short staffed. So that meant some double, some double work for some of our advocates. I understood that. I, I got it. I got it 100%. And I listened to what folks were saying. I heard what folks were saying and we made the adjustments. I think we are in a much better place now because we are fully staffed and the work is evenly dis- distributed across all of the advocates right now. But yeah, you got to regularly evaluate. And that is I've created, I created a safe space for feedback. I listened to what folks had to say. And to be honest, I was feeling burnt out too because it was so much going on. I think I said this a couple episodes ago, like we were in a real funky space. You know, we had just lost funding, trying to figure out what to do and how are we going to sustain over the next year without tapping into our reserve, which I did not want to do. And we didn't have to do it. Thank you, God. So it was a tight time for everyone. So, and I was feeling really burnt out. So I got it. I heard them loud and clear. I created a safe space for feedback. I was open to what staff had to say. I monitored the effectiveness of the support of the resilience efforts and it wasn't working. So we had to do something different. And I used that feedback for improvements. Next is resilience building activities. You know, incorporate team building activities such as mindfulness exercises, stress management techniques, and games that promote trust and communication. Now, we can do better at this. Y'all know I am very transparent on this podcast. I ain't about to feed you no fluff. This is one of those areas that we don't do that well at because I feel like we could be better at this. We could be better at creating more fun time for this, but it's hard to fit it in the life of the organization when you are at competing grant deadlines and competing grant deliverables and all of this stuff. You know, we do create moments like around the holidays, like we're having a, instead of doing a Friendsgiving luncheon, we, luncheon we're doing a Friendsgiving breakfast next week. 
We're definitely going to do a holiday party. You know, we do try to do moments. We try to celebrate one another's birthdays. We do try to do some fun activities, but I do wish that we had more time to do resilience building activities. I really, really do. Um, But I employ you, if you're listening, I employ you, especially if you are a new nonprofit organization and you are building your nonprofit organization from the ground up, it might be awesome if you can just, if this is part of your foundation. So that would be awesome. I think when you are an established nonprofit and you are that Monday through Friday, nine to five, and you know that if you have to shut the office down, that means there are no clients served and what'll happen if an emergency happened and if a victim needs you, I think for, as an executive director, like those are all the things that play in my mind. Um, so I know for a fact that this is one of the areas that we can become better at. And last but not least is celebrate your people. This goes back to appreciation and acknowledgement. Like celebrate your people and the organization's accomplishments. Like recently we got a grant that we had been waiting on since uh, May. And I think I briefly told you all about it when I had to forfeit my vacation back in May because I found out about that grant. Well, we got that grant and we were so excited about that grant. Like, Oh, just get chill bumps just thinking about it. Like, and everybody was able to rejoice in that grant with us because by us not getting that grant, it impacted each and every one of us. And I am so honored to be working at the organization that I'm working with because it definitely impacted everybody. But everybody just stayed true to the organization. They stayed true to the clients. They kept just giving reaffirming and affirming words like we gonna be okay we got this like we're not going anywhere and nobody went anywhere and it's moments like this past week when I I'm just so honored and so blessed to be working with the women that I work with at Wesley Shelter like I'm so y'all have no idea they are some of the most committed women ever. And then at, we were waiting on another grant that we have wrote probably around the same time. We found out we got that grant. We didn't get the full amount that we were anticipating, but we got enough. And that closed the gap that we needed until June 2024, which gives us the room that we need for us to write well, not us, but for me to write more funding applications and to look for more grants. So I always say this, I know it's not a churchy podcast, but I am a believer and I am just very thankful to God that for anybody who prayed for us and all of the donations and everyone who sent us positive messages and all that kind of stuff that we, we were still able to do what we do. And this is the life of a nonprofit organization, folks. This is what, and this is why I love to help nonprofits, um, people start nonprofits. And this is why outside of my daytime life, I do nonprofit consultancy because I live this life. I live this life every single day. This ain't something that, you know, this ain't for play play for me. Like this is what I do. I am a cheerleader for myself because I live it nine to five, Monday through Thursday. 
But then I also live it with each and every one of my clients who are trying to start their nonprofit, who are trying right now to figure out their why, who are who have discovered their why, but then trying to now figure out the landscape and everything else. Like I am living this. I am living the the funding applications. I am writing the funding applications. I am writing, I am flipping through the RFPs to see if we even qualify. I am dealing with the, the board of directors. I am dealing with the HR stuff and I'm not even an HR specialist. Like I am, I am, I, and I have lived it for three decades. So when I come to you on this podcast, bringing you this information, I ain't just pulling it out of thin asses. I'm doing it because I live it every single day. So I can bring it to you as a thought leader. I can bring it to you with some kind of authority because I have done this work as the case manager. I have done this work as the substance abuse counselor intern. I have done this work as the community outreach worker. I have done this work as the needle exchange intern. I have done this work as the program manager, program director. I've lived it. I've done it. And I love it. So nonprofits get, look, we must prioritize employee well-being and resilience in order to achieve our missions like we we must and if you are a new nonprofit and you need some help with this hey all of my information is in the show notes but you too in thinking about starting your nonprofit like you have to prioritize the well-being of your employees and if you're not going to have employees and be functioning solely on volunteers you still got to prioritize their well-being also because even though you're not paying them, you still need them to carry out your mission. You have to have a mission regardless. So this level of resilience and well-being and to achieve all of this, it requires leadership's commitment and continuous improvement. You know, y'all, I'm so true to this. I'm so, so true to this. And with next week being Thanksgiving, I am so thankful for each and every one of you and listening to this little podcast every week. And so I am thankful for you. And you know how we do it here. Radical self-care is healthcare and kindness is free. So do me a favor and be kind to somebody. Go give somebody a hug. Tell somebody you're thankful for them or you thankful for them or they or whoever just tell everybody you thankful for them and until next time i love you so much for listening bye